this morning I, I went a little bit longer in my sermon than what I normally do. I, I guess I just kind of had quite a bit to say about prayer and I, I guess I still had more to say about prayer because what I want to do is kind of continue on that lesson into this evening as well because there's still some more lessons from Jesus that I think that we need to learn about prayer. Uh, for instance, you might have realized I didn't even go over some of the most well-known passages where Jesus speaks about prayer and tells us how to pray. Because I really wanted us to see, especially this morning, that prayer is this, this combination between our will and God's will. And whenever those two wills combine together and, and what happens in those instances. And if you haven't uh, listened to that sermon, you, know, you, can, uh, uh, you can go ahead and, and find that, uh, if you will. And it's called prayer when wills combine. And you can look that up at uh, the same place you found this video. Um, but in this one, I want us to continue that on. And you'll see some of the same ideas uh, being still mentioned here by Jesus. But now I want us to see some of the more kind of traditional teachings that Jesus specifically gave to his disciples. And of course, he gives to us as well. The most well-known would be what is oftentimes called uh, the context of the Lord's Prayer. It's whenever Jesus was teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, just kind of how we should live as Christians. This is what Jesus says about prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 8, then we're going to get to the actual prayer in just a moment. Verses 5 through 8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. 
Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they can be heard because they're many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. See, this passage really tells us a lot about prayer. And it tells us, you know, how we should pray. We don't need to be worried about, you know, how other people are going to be seeing this prayer. We don't need to be worrying about that. You know, we see this this lesson here. Sometimes it's described as, you know, find your prayer closet. That doesn't mean it has to be an actual closet. It doesn't even mean it has to be in a room. Maybe the best place for you to pray is outside. Maybe the best place for you to pray is, pray is whenever you uh, you wake up in the morning. Maybe it's right before you go to bed at night. Whatever the case and wherever the case, I hope that you can find a place and a time in which you can pray because that's what Jesus is trying to teach us. We don't need to make sure that it's oh always you know in front of, of other people. Now there's a time and a place for us, especially I'm speaking to you fathers who are you know the spiritual leaders of your household. Um, yeah, you need to be showing your kids how to pray. You, you need to be leading your family. Because that is what Christ has called you to. But at the same time, whenever we're speaking in a, in a more general sense, we don't need to be always making sure that our prayers are public and heard by other people. Because our Heavenly Father who is unseen, He sees what's happening. He hears what's happening. And just in case you're, you're wondering about this, uh, your Heavenly Father knows what you're going to pray even before you pray it. That's what verse 8 says. It was well known during Jesus' day, it's well known during our day, that God already knows these things. So you might kind of wonder, well, why do we pray? I think largely it helps us, really. I think that's one of the reasons why God actually wants us to, to pray. And if you want to continue on in this thought, which I, I don't think it's by accident, that God is called our Heavenly Father. And it's because when you think about um, the relationship between parents and, and children, you know, how, how weird would it be? How odd of a relationship would it be if you just expected the children to never ask for anything, you know, any of their needs to be met? Well, you know, whenever parents, whenever it comes to parents, yeah, most of the time they know what their kids need. But, you know, sometimes you, you might still wait until your, your child asks for those things because it's kind of part of that process. It's part of that relationship. It helps the child to recognize that they are dependent upon their parents. And with us, it helps us as children to recognize we are dependent upon our Heavenly Father. He already knows what we need. He's more than capable of providing it. Are you capable of asking Him? That's what we're called to do, is to ask our Heavenly Father and for this to be between us and God. He goes on, and if this isn't enough, which apparently it wasn't, Jesus continued on and taught us even more about how we should pray. Verses 9 through 15. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. 
Now, technically, I guess you might say, verses 14 and 15 don't exactly have to do with prayer, but yet they are mentioned within this prayer. And apparently, God in his wisdom, you know, Jesus, as he was preaching this, he knew that they needed a little extra teaching on that. That's why I wanted to go ahead and include verses 14 and 15, because perhaps we need more teaching on that too, to recognize that we've got to be people who are willing to forgive in order for us to receive this forgiveness. If you look at this prayer, it's, it's great. You know, it's oftentimes called the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes people uh, like to say it's the model prayer. Uh, whatever the case, it, it is a wonderful prayer that teaches us how we should pray. It starts off with something, and, and of course, I would not say that you have to, to uh, quote this, you know, word for word. If that's what you want to do, and if that's how you want to pray, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you don't do what Jesus just warned about, about that babbling and stuff. You know, it, it, As long as you're praying this prayer and you can mean it, there's nothing wrong with praying this exact prayer. Now, as you look at this prayer, this Lord's Prayer, as he says, there's a lot we can learn taking this as categories. He starts off by addressing his Father who is in heaven, and he addresses the holiness of of the Father's name. That needs to be a part of our prayer in some way or another. We also see in verse 10 that uh, I believe uh, these phrases are all kind of supposed to be combined together about the kingdom of God coming and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that's kind of uh, an explanation of what the kingdom coming should look like. And yes, you might say that the kingdom has already come, which I would pretty much be in agreement with you. I believe the kingdom of God is already here. I believe that Jesus constantly preached that the kingdom of God is in your midst. And he was saying that things are happening during their time. But I also think that in a very real sense, we see the kingdom of God coming on earth during our day. Whenever we see the will of God being done on earth, just as it is in heaven. See, heaven is God's place, God's domain, if you will. Earth is kind of, well, it's earthly. It's these things down here. And whenever we see God's will being done on earth, that's how it should be. That's what the kingdom is all about. That's what submitting to our heavenly father is all about. We find out from verse 11 that uh, it's a request for our daily needs to be met. God is capable of meeting those. We simply just need to be capable of asking. In verse 12, we see the need that we need to uh, to forgive those who are um, our debtors so that we can also be forgiven of our debts. This has to do with our forgiveness. Verses 14 and 15 talk about the need for us to forgive other people. We've been forgiven of such uh, such a great um, and I don't mean that in a good way, I mean big way. We've been forgiven of, of so much. Can't we forgive one another of, of small, petty things oftentimes? That's what we're called to do in Christ. Doesn't mean ignore it, it means forgive it. Verse 13 is a wonderful phrase. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Uh, that's that's an interesting idea, you know, and whenever we see this this temptation, we see that that yes, this should be our prayer, but you know, sometimes that temptation still needs to, to be gone through. This morning, we looked at Jesus praying in the, the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed that the cup of suffering, the cup of wrath, the cup of, of I guess if you want to even kind of use similar language right here, the cup of temptation. He prayed that it would be taken from him. But ultimately, we see that the will of God was, was done. And we see this deliverance. Uh, it, it did happen that we see deliverance coming through Jesus Christ. 
So this phrase is a very interesting phrase that Jesus himself would, would later go on to, to live out, show us how we can live it out. But it's great to ask to not be led into those types of situations. And then finally, this prayer, it ends with a wonderful praise again about God's kingdom, his power, and his glory forever. Amen. This is how we've been taught to pray. This is how we should be praying. It doesn't mean word for word, but it does mean these types of things. These types of thoughts need to be a part of our prayer. So this is probably the most well-known passage where Jesus speaks about prayer. But it's not the only passage. I want to go to another famous passage, this time from a different gospel, Luke's gospel. And Jesus continues to talk about prayer. In fact, here in Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells us why he is, is preaching about these things. We're going to be looking at a couple of different parables that Jesus says. And we get here why Jesus said these. In verse 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Okay. So this is the lesson. If you want to know, you know, sometimes the parables of Jesus, you read these things and you're like, what was that about? Or what was this thing about? Okay, this is what it's all about. This whole parable is to show them that they should always pray and not give up. That means, guess what? Since we're the disciples, it's to show us that we should always pray and not give up. Keep that in mind the whole time that you hear this parable. Even though there might be some, kind of some confusing things right here because we're going to hear right here about this unjust judge and and you see all these things the whole point behind it is to show us that we should always pray and not give up verse 2 this is the the parable he said in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared god nor cared that what people thought and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea grant me justice against my adversary for some time he refused but finally he said to himself even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she uh, won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So in this parable, it's all to teach us that we should always pray and never give up. Yeah, I know, it's kind of weird for this, this unjust judge to be compared to the righteous judge, God himself. But yet, the way that Jesus is laying these things out is, yes, he's, he's comparing these two things. You know, in the sense of a parable, he's laying them out before each other. But obviously, the unjust judge, he's not a good guy. But God is a just judge. He is a good guy. He is going to listen to us. You know, if, if someone who doesn't even care about God and doesn't really even care about people, if this unjust judge is going to sometimes give in to what they request, how do you think God is going to do? What do you think God is going to do? He's going to listen. He's going to listen to the cries that are brought to him day and night. And he's not going to keep putting justice off. He'll see to it that they get that. But then also in verse 8, we get kind of a little bit of a of a poke to point us into recognizing, okay, well, are we doing what we should be doing? Because the last part, he says, however, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What about today? If the son of man were to come today, would he find faith on the earth? 
would he find, let's just make it even more personal, okay? You think about you, I'll think about me. If the Son of Man were to come right here, right now, to you, to me, would he find faith within us? That's kind of a poke in the direction of we need to be people who are asking in faith. Let's make sure that we do that. But Jesus continues on, even in this same chapter in, in Luke 18, in the next few verses, and he's going to teach us even more about prayer. Verses 9 through 14. Once again, verse 9 tells us why Jesus is telling us this parable. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So, What's the purpose of this parable? The purpose was Jesus looked around and he noticed that some people, they were confident in their own righteousness. They were self-righteous, if you will. And they were looking down upon everyone else. That should not be us. Be people of faith, not self-righteousness. And, you know, you, you look at this, you look at this parable. And here's, here's the thing. Here's where it can really backfire on us, Okay. And it's kind of a, a funny thing whenever you think about this because we can easily look at this and we can say, don't be like that tax collector. And then we might find ourselves, you know, after a lesson about this. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I said the wrong thing. Don't be like this Pharisee, okay? Um, we, might, we might even go through a lesson about this. And then at the end of the lesson, we might, you know, we might pray and might even thank God that we are not like that Pharisee, that we can be like that tax collector and that we're going to be like that. We got to be careful about that, don't we? Because if we aren't careful, then what we're going to do is the exact same thing as what that Pharisee did. And I know I said the wrong thing a while ago, but but what I meant was that we need to be careful that we don't just look at this and say, okay, well, that Pharisee, he was a bad example, and I'm just so thankful I'm not like him. Because if we say that, oh, I'm so thankful that I'm not like him, then we become exactly like him. This is not something that you need to compare yourself to one another, to compare yourself to anybody else. What this is, is this to get you to realize, how are you? What are you doing? Are you able to be like this other man who prays, God, have mercy on me, a sinner? What do you think is right? What do you think is the attitude that we need to have? We need to humbly come before God, but we can also boldly become, come before God, and we can pray just like Jesus has taught us to.